Hello and welcome to the KE Report. Chad and Corey here, introducing a new company, Nikan Limited, traded on the TSXV under the ticker NICN. And we are talking to the CEO, Brad Humphrey. And Brad, it's great to get you on the show. We've had a couple guests on the show bring up Nikan before. You do have two projects, your flagship wine project, and you also have the Pippi project, both looking for nickel in Manitoba, in an area that's been prolific and had a lot of mining in it before. So I guess from a high level, just bring us into the story, Brad, and share with us how did things come together? How did you get these two projects? And what's the overall vision for the company? Great. Yeah. And thank you very much. Appreciate you guys taking the time to get your viewers up to speed on the NICAN story. So the company was created as a private exploration company back in April of 2021. And the idea was at the time, there weren't that many nickel sulfide exploration companies looking at existing mining jurisdictions across Canada. That's changed since then, but at the time there weren't that many. So we started to look in existing jurisdictions where there's lots of data, lots of infrastructure already in place. And uh, very quickly, we came across two great looking projects, both in Manitoba and both in areas with you know, a history of discoveries, either in nickel or VMS and with a lot of very geologically significant features. And those two projects, the wine property is the one that we're moving, advancing right now. That's in the Snow Lake area, well-known mining jurisdiction. And the Pippi project is in the Thompson area, just to the north of Valet's world-class Thompson nickel mine. The company has solid cash position. We just closed the financing, two and a half million in the bank right now. And we've got good insider ownership, 20% insider ownership. And I think as we go through this conversation, your listeners should think about the risk reward profile. We've got a, it's an 8 million market cap company with two and a half million in the bank, putting out great results in a good mining jurisdiction in Manitoba. All right, let's focus on the wine property then, because that's where some of the recent news has come from. And that's where you are just mobilizing a drill rig right now. Take us through the last, let's say, two years of drilling to get you up to this stage. Some of the highlights there, please. Sure. So on the wine property, we're focused on the sort of north central portion of it. It's a, a small portion and it's called the wine gabbro. And the reason why that's important is just to the north of us, there's an analogy for our geologic model at wine. It's in the Lynn Lake area. It's called the Farley Mine. It was in production from the 50s, 60s and 70s. Sherrick produced 22 million tons of 1% nickel and a half a percent copper over that time. And it's a very similar gabbro geologically to what we have on the wine property. And those tons came from multiple pods or lenses throughout the gabbro. So the reason why that's important is we knew we had the wine occurrence, which is where we're getting the high grade nickel intersections from right now. And we know that we have that, those lenses and pods at the wine occurrence. And we also have been looking elsewhere on doing the groundwork elsewhere on the Gabbro, looking for other areas that may have also host higher grade nickel copper pods or lenses. So all of the exploration that we've been doing up until now has really had those two tracks, figure out the mineralization at the wine occurrence. So the orientation, the extent, et cetera, and also look elsewhere on this Gabbro for areas that have elevated nickel and copper potential to better vector into where potentially there's some massive sulfide pods or lenses. And 
some of the highlights from the drilling that we've done since we started in 2022 are, you know, and all of this, keep in mind, is close to surface. So it's all sort of above 60 meters from surface. So we've hit intersections 31 meters of 2.3% nickel equivalent. We've hit 27 meters of 2.35 nickel equivalent. So very, very impressive. As of right now, we believe that we have at least two lenses, potentially three lenses at the line occurrence. And uh, the significance of this last press release that we pushed to put out is, like I said, we've been trying to figure out the orientation of the line occurrence so that we could step out and test the extent. After this last drill program, we have a pretty good indication that it's dipping east and plunging southwest, which gives us a ton of new information and allows us to, in this program we're starting today, test to the north and to the east to see what kind of extent and size the wine occurrence lenses could have. Okay, Brad. So this program that's basically starting now imminently, and I think your permit runs through the end of March, you're going to be putting in six to eight holes to continue to test the thesis here. You had mentioned to us off mic, you're thinking it's going to be around 600 to 1,000 meters, but in that vicinity. A lot of people will want to know, why are you stopping drilling in March? Why not keep pressing the envelope? So that brings up a good point where we could talk about permitting. And just in the summer months, you have to take a brief pause before the next program. So talk to us about the permitting on this project and talk to us about the seasonality of the drilling in this location. Yeah, no, very good question. Thank you for that. I get a lot of questions about the wine project because it's located in a Manitoba park. Manitoba's parks have different designations depending on where you are in the park. Where we're located in the park is in an area that's designated for mineral development or resource development. There are other areas that you aren't allowed to develop in, but we're not anywhere near any of those areas. And, you know, as an example, just to the south of us, Hud Bay put the Reed Lake mine into production in, I think, it, I believe it was 2014. That's now been mined out and they're now reclaiming it. Very successful operation. There's the Spruce Point mine that's also to the south of us that went into production. And there's the rail deposit just to the northwest. So there's lots of activity in the area. We've successfully permitted three phases of drilling with uh, no issues. Your question on why we don't go beyond March 31st, in this area, we can't do exploration activities between really the middle of April until June or July and depending on what kind of activities we're going to be doing. And that's to do with the caribou coming through. We know that in advance, so we plan all of our activities around those timelines, and that's really the only time when we can't be on the ground in the Snow Lake area. So what are we looking at in terms of budget for this six to eight hole program? Yeah, and, and why it's it's got that bit of a range there. We build in a bit of a buffer. If uh, everything goes according to plan, there's no weather delays, there's no other hiccups that often happen during exploration, uh, we will do the eight or nine holes. If we have some weather issues or anything else, the minimum we believe would be the six holes. So the budget for that is about a half a million dollars. And uh, at the same time, we're also doing a deep penetrating time domain EM survey across the entire wine Gabbro. The reason why that's important is previous surveys that we've done we did a VTEM survey in 2022. We could only see down about 150 meters with that survey. This deep penetrating EM survey will be able to see down about 400 meters. So that will help us locate 
some of these other potential anomalies or conductors across the wine gabbro that potentially could be nickeliferous and host some other pods of higher grade nickel or copper mineralization. That program is going to run us about uh, 150 to $200,000. So that's the complete budget for what we're doing this, this month. Well, Brad, that brings up the question in my mind with the deep penetrating EM survey. With some of those other analogs in the area, how deep do some of those deposits go? Could it be that at depth, there's more juice to squeeze? Well, absolutely. There's been uh, all kinds of discoveries in northern Manitoba and in this area that go down uh, significantly deeper than what we've been drilling. So we are, are particularly lucky that the mineralization that we've intersected to date is above sort of 70, 60, 70 meters. But certainly there's potential much deeper in this area and all around us. So I think there's lots of, you know, there should be some lots of good information from that survey. So if anybody wants to go back, look at some of the past drill results, we see some pretty decent widths and some higher grade nickel here. There's also cobalt. There's a number of other metals within this property that you have drilled. Can you compare some of the grades to other operators in the area or other assets that really investors could get a good understanding of what moves the needle for a project like this? Well, I think the best analogy is that barley mine. So that went into production in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And it was a percent nickel and a half a percent copper. And that was a very successful operation. The other operations around us have been primarily copper operations. So, you know, not quite apples to apples, but certainly we're in the ballpark on, on grades. And, and from a nickel equivalent basis, we'd be very much considered high grade. I, I would say anything above a percent nickel is, is high grade, especially if it's this close to surface. Yeah, those 2% plus hits were pretty nice, especially over a reasonable meterage too, like the 30 plus meters with over 2% nickel. Those are some juicy hits. So we'll be following up with you as you get some more of these drill holes back in. But Brad, I think this is a good time to also just talk about the team behind Nikan. There's always a lot of emphasis on the team. So share with us your background and anybody else from the management team or board you think is worth highlighting. Sure. Yeah. We're very blessed to have a very experienced board and management team. I come from, you know, I was on the sell side as a mining analyst for 20 years, worked at various different shops from Canaccord all the way to uh, Morgan Stanley. It was the last uh, role I had. I went into back into industry in 2016 at a company called QMX Gold, where we successfully turned that company around and eventually it was sold to Eldorado Gold. And that's in the Valdor area. Across our board, we've got a wealth of experience in junior mining, development, production, uh, lots of capital markets experience. We've got board members that have focused on First Nations engagement and uh, has been extremely helpful you know, with our PIPI project, which we talk about shortly uh, on getting the, that, those talks underway. Our CFO is very experienced in junior mining as well. He's also the CEO of 1911 that is also a mining company in Manitoba. So lots of experience with the various grants. I'm sure you may have noticed in Manitoba, depending on the project, you can get up to $300,000 in grant money per project from the Manitoba government. And we've received that on a number of our 
phases of drilling, which has been very, very helpful uh, moving us forward. And then on the geologic team, Bill Nielsen is focused on the wine project. He's got almost 50 years of experience in exploration. And Stanley Clemmer, he's got about four decades of experience. He focuses on our PIPI project. So we're very, very lucky. We've got a very strong team and board. Let's also talk about that PIPI project then. You just brought it up. I know the main focus is at the wine property, but in terms of this PIPI project, what are you doing this year to advance that project? Sure. So just a high level on the PIPI project, it's located in the Thompson area. It's just to the north of the Thompson Nickel Mine, the big valet, world-class nickel deposit that's been in production for decades. What we have there is a property that was drilled by Inco before they made the discovery at the Thompson Nickel Mine. At the time, they weren't 100% sure what they were looking for. They did get some interesting sniffs in the drilling, and then they made the discovery to the south. So they closed a mine they were operating just to the north of Pippi and focused on the Thompson Nickel Mine. We have now come in and, and been able to get that property. We don't have assays from the historical drilling, but we do have the historical drill logs. And in those drill logs, it does note the host rock is the host rock that hosts the T1 and T3 at the Thompson Nickel Mine. And they do note that they were hitting nickel sulfides over reasonable widths. We just don't know the grades. So super easy access to this property. There's a highway that runs right through it. It's a disturbed property already from the historical drilling. So it would be very good access and easy to drill once we get in on the ground drilling. Our focus right now is on engagement with the First Nations community. That's all going very well. And at some point, we'll get to a a point where we have an exploration agreement in place and we'll be able to move forward and test some of these historical areas where in the drill logs they do note the nickel sulfides. And if it does have reasonable grade and over reasonable widths, which, you know, it certainly could given the mine just to the south, it could have some meaningful tonnage potential for us. Okay, Brad, I appreciate you breaking that down. And I think this has been a good introduction to the projects, to the work strategy of both projects and the team behind NICAN. Let's also talk about the financial side of the business real quick. Walk us through the share structure. What kind of uh, split do you have as far as retail, inside ownership, and any other things you want to highlight as far as the financial side of the business? Sure. So uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, we just closed the financing. We now have two and a half million on the balance sheet. We have, you know, including that financing, about 81 million shares outstanding. There's 3 million options at a strike price of 25 cents. There's about 800,000 broker warrants related to that deal. And management and insiders control about 20% of the ownership. Uh, retail is about 54, 55-ish, and institutional holders are about 25%. So good, good, uh, good mix. And to be honest, we have had pretty extreme volumes over the last month. So some of those numbers may have shifted a little bit outside of the insider ownership. Yeah, there's some big volume that came into that stock when you released some of your last round of drill results at the tail end of January. Just circling back around, encompassing all of this here, Brad, in terms of news flow, when are you expecting to get back some drill results? And is there any news in the interim that investors can look out for? Sure, yeah. So the next big event for us is we'll be at the PDAC on Sunday and Monday. We have a booth. So anybody who's going to be in Toronto 
this weekend or Monday, come by and see us. We'll have some core there. The drilling started today. So we would anticipate having assays back. Probably it's hard to guess always, but probably April, May timeframe, you know, and we'll have the geophysics is getting done now. We'll get some of that raw data right, right off the bat. Once we've worked through that data, that might drive some news flow. And of course, if we get something that looks particularly good visually that we're required to put out, we will also put that out in the interim before the assays. So stay tuned. You know, the reason I think you see such a response from the drilling that we just put out is we have such a low market cap and it makes it particularly attractive uh, when you start to see some of these results come out of a company like ours that has a solid balance sheet, good insider ownership, and two great properties in good jurisdiction. Yeah, Brad, it's an interesting story, and I'm really glad we got a chance to speak with you today to introduce it to our audience. For those looking at nickel exploration in Canada, this is an interesting one to follow. We definitely will, and we'll definitely get you back on when you get some of those assays back from this program and recap those together. If people want to follow along with the news over at NICAN, definitely click on the link below this editorial, and it will take you over to the company news section. And Brad, looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you very much. We really appreciate your time.